0: You can see on the screen, it says Genesis 44, 1 to 34, and Genesis 45, 1 to 28. That's not a misprint. <laughs> we'll be here for a while. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> You're going to see that those two chapters have to be seen together. There's no, you can't do the passage justice separating these two chapters. That's why they're condensed together. The Spanish have a story about a father and son who became estranged. The son left home, and the father later set out to find him. He searched for months with no success. Finally, in desperation, the father turned to the newspaper for help. His ad simply read, Dear Paco, meet me in front of this newspaper office at noon on Saturday. All is forgiven, I love you, your father. On Saturday, 800 young men named Paco showed up looking for forgiveness and love from their estranged fathers. The world is filled with people who are desperately longing for reconciliation with each other and with God. And the story we're going to see today you're going to see reconciliation happen with both. And that's in chapters 44 and 45. Reconciliation. We all need reconciliation. Maybe some of you have broken relationships with family members, friends. Reconciliation. What is reconciliation? How would you define it? Reconciliation is simply the restoration of friendly relations with God primarily. Reconciliation is the restoration of having friendly relations with God, which implies that human beings, by nature, don't have that. So, the text this morning is going to answer the question, how does one become reconciled with God? How does one restore a right relationship with God Almighty? because human beings on their own do not have a right relationship with God. That has to happen. Reconciliation between God and man must happen. How does that happen? We're going to see how it happens in the story of Joseph and his reconciliation with his brothers. The first point I would like to, share, I would like to make is this. Uh, the path towards rec- reconciliation with God Always begins with God's pursuit of those with whom he has no relationship with. Verses 1 to 6. Then he, Joseph, commanded his house steward, saying, Fill the men's sacks with food, as much as they can carry, and put each man's money in the opening of his sack, and put my cup, the silver cup, in the opening of the sack of the youngest, and put his money for the grain. And he did as Joseph told him. As soon as it was light, the men were sent away, they with their donkeys. They had just left the city and were not far away when Joseph said to his house steward, up, follow the men, and when you overtake them, or when you catch up to them, say to them, why have you repaid evil for good? Is this not that from which my Lord drinks and which he indeed uses for divination? You have done wrong in doing this. So he overtook or caught up to them and spoke these words to them. Here we see that the brothers are with Joseph in this particular instance and they're about to go back home. They had brought Benjamin with them. If you've been following along with this story, with this sermon series, we've been studying the, uh, the life of Joseph with his brothers. And now is coming time for reconciliation. The brothers are with Joseph in this particular instance. And they're about to go home to their father with much food. But Joseph has a plan. He wants to test his brothers to see if they have changed. For he remembers 20 years ago that he himself was sold by them for profit. So he wants to see now... If the brothers are going to respond the same way with this younger brother, Benjamin, have they changed it all? So how he's going to do this is he's going to put and sneak a silver cup, a cup that he would use for divination into the sack of Benjamin. He's orchestrating a scheme. Now you say, what is divination? What is divination? Divination was the practice or the art of predicting or trying to find out what was going to happen in the future. That's what divination was. In this particular instance, uh, Joseph is putting his silver cup, the cup that he would use for divination. Those who practice divination were normally uh, those individuals of high standing in the Egyptian culture. Joseph is not an Egyptian, he's Jewish, but he wants to portray that he's Egyptian to his brothers okay? And so it wasn't very common to have a goblet stolen, but have a, uh, a drinking goblet. But if it was a goblet of divination, if it was a cup used for divination, that would have been hard to replace. So Joseph says, this is a cup of divination that I'm putting into this sack, okay? Now, in this particular case, the divination or the art of trying to predict the future was called either oleomancy, which was pouring oil into water, hydromancy, which is pouring water into oil, or the more general term, lecanomancy, which is the observing of the actions of liquids in some kind of container. When you pour water into oil, or oil into water, it will create shapes. And it will will begin to swirl, and uh, you'll have movements in the cup and so those who practice divination by this means would look at the formation and the patterns of the liquid with the oil and the water, and they would examine it, and they would be able to determine whether or not you're going to have crops, whether you're going to have a child. Would you have success in your future, or would you have failure in your future? So Joseph is acting like he's a diviner because he's an Egyptian. He's really not, but he's portraying one as a good Egyptian uh, monarch would would do okay and so he sends his brothers away joseph does and he tells a steward to go chase after them catch up to them joseph ultimately wants to be reconciled with his brothers that's the point point. and so he sends his steward on his behalf to catch up to them to overtake them to ask them a question And so in the process of having his steward go after his brothers, it is the very first step that we see in reconciliation. That is exactly how God brings about reconciliation with humanity. He initiates it. He starts it. There's no way any one of us would be reconciled with God if he doesn't pursue us. Joseph's brothers had no inclination of being reconciled with their brother. They didn't even think he was alive. Reconciliation always starts with the love of God for his fallen creatures. Always. If you're reconciled with with God Almighty, it's because he was seeking you out. When you may not have been aware of it, he was seeking you out. He was seeking me out. The first step in reconciliation, when you have a broken relationship, some of you may have broken relationships with family members, friends, or coworkers. If you take the first step for the purpose of reconciliation, you are being godly. It is a godly step. It's a hard step. There is nothing in any one of us that was lovable in God's eyes in our brokenness, but he did it anyway, Right? So when we have broken, severed relationships with each other, as difficult as it may be, as painful as it may be, when we take the first step to initiate reconciliation and pursue it, you're being godly in your character. That's exactly what God does. So when he seeks reconciliation with humanity, he pursues people. It always starts with the Lord. Secondly, The path towards reconciliation with God is based on God's mercy with those with whom he does not have a relationship with. Verses 7 to 10. And they said to him, why does my Lord say such words as these, the brothers say? Far be it from your servants to do such a thing. Behold, the money which we found in the opening of our sacks, we have brought back to you from the land of Canaan. How then could we steal the silver silver, or gold from your Lord's house? With whomever of your servants it is found, he shall die, that is, be executed. And we also shall be the Lord's slaves. So he said, now let it be indeed according to your words. He with whom it is found shall be my slave, but the rest of you shall be considered innocent. (laughs) Here the steward finally catches up with the brothers and he blames them for the stolen cup. And the brothers are like, wait a minute, why would we do such a thing? We came back initially before and we brought back all the money for the grain that was originally put in our sacks. Why would we steal a cup? And then Judah says, whoever did this, let that person die and let us all be put in prison. That 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 was the brothers' decision. That was their judgment that they placed on themselves. Kill the one who did it, and all the brothers will be put to jail. And what did the steward say? No, Let it be so according to your words. Legally, you're right, but I'm going to do something different. I'm going to put in prison the one who did the, who did the deed, and everyone else will go free. He was lenient. You're seeing mercy at play here. What they deserved was what the brothers were saying, but... The steward, on behalf of Joseph, is being merciful. You're seeing mercy. He's lenient. And that is true with you and I as in the process or the path of road to reconciliation, God is a merciful God. He's not going to give us what we justly deserve. That's what mercy is. It's withholding the just judgment for our sin that we deserve. And he won't do that. He's merciful. It's a very important step in reconciliation with God. Thirdly, the path towards reconciliation with God must include a confession of guilt before God. Verses 11 to 16. Then they hurried, each man lowered his sack to the ground, and each man opened up his sack. And he searched, beginning with the oldest and ending with the youngest. And the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. Then they tore their clothes in grief. And when each man had loaded his donkey, they returned to the city. When Judah and his brothers came to Joseph's house, he was still there. And they fell down to the ground in desperation before him. Joseph said to them, what is this thing that you have done? Do you not know that a man who is like me can indeed practice divination? In other words, don't you know I have the ability to foretell the future because I have the skill of divination? I would know that you had the cup all along. Why would you test me on that? He's acting like an Egyptian here. So Judah said, what can we say to my Lord? What words can we speak? And how can we justify ourselves? God has found out the guilt of your servants. Behold, we are my Lord's slaves, both we and the ones in whose possession the cup has been found. Judah, on behalf of his brothers, makes a confession that we're guilty. I'm not going to make any excuses for what we have done, even though they didn't steal the cup. But he's not talking about the cup. He's talking about the guilt of what they did to their brother Joseph 22 years earlier. All of these situations that they're currently experiencing now is a continuous reminder of what they did to Joseph 22 years ago. And they finally realize that all of these things are happening to me is because God is putting us in this situation to get me to repent of our sin, not making excuses for it. Judah, as the spokesman for the brothers, is going before God, is going before the Lord, if you will. Going before Joseph and is saying, I'm guilty. I'm a sinner. There's nothing I can do. There's nothing that I can say. I am caught and I'm not going to excuse or make any kind of excuse to justify what I have done. He is confessing guilt before Joseph. And any person who's going to be reconciled with God Almighty must come before Jesus Christ and confess their guilt before him with no excuses. I am a broken human being in need of forgiveness. If one person, if a person refuses to do that, then reconciliation between God and man cannot happen. Very important step. We know that because we read about it in the New Testament. Paul writes about it in his letters to the churches. He writes it in in a sentence form. But here in the Old Testament, you're actually seeing it played out in an actual person's life, a historical person, thousands of years before Jesus even came. Fourth, the path towards reconciliation with God will involve God personally revealing himself to the individual who genuinely confesses their guilt. We're about to uh, approach the longest speech given by a person in the book of Genesis. This whole section of scripture from Genesis forty four seventeen 17 all the way to Genesis 45 1 to 3 is a speech given by Judah as he makes his confession before Joseph so I'm going to read it's lengthy but it's the only way to get understanding so let's let's follow along here but he said far be it from me to do this Joseph says the man in whose possession the cup has been found, he shall be my slave. But as for you, you go in peace to your father. Ah, are you going to do the same thing to Benjamin as you did to Joseph? Here's your the opportunity. Then Judah approached him and said, "O oh my lord, may your servant please speak a word in my lord's ears, and do not be angry with your servant, for you are equal to Pharaoh." My lord asked his servants in the past, saying. Have you a father or a brother? And we said to my Lord, We have an old father and a little boy born in our father's old age. Now his brother, Joseph, is dead. So he, Benjamin, is alone, left of his mother. And his father loves him. Then you said to your servants, Bring him, Benjamin, down to me, so that I may set my eyes upon him. But we said to my Lord, The boy cannot leave his father. For if he should leave his father... His father would die. You said to your servants, however, unless your youngest brother comes down with you, you will not see my face again. So it came about when we went up to your servant, my father, we told him the words of my Lord, that is of you. And our father said, go back, buy us a little food. But we said, we can't go down. If our youngest brother is with us, then we will go down, for we cannot see the man's face unless our youngest brother is with us. Then your servant, my father, said to us, you know that my wife bore me two sons, and the one left me, referring to Joseph, and I said, surely he is torn to pieces, and I have not seen him since. If you also take this one from me, and harm happens to him, referring to Benjamin, you will bring my gray hair down to Sheol, to the grave, in sorrow." So now, when I come to your servant, my father, and the boy is not with us, since our father's life is so attached to the boy's life, when he sees that the boy is not with us, he will die. So your servants will bring the gray hair of your servant, our father, down to Sheol in sorrow. For your servant accepted responsibility for the boy from my father, saying, if I do not bring him back to you, then my father can let me take the blame forever. So now... Judah says to Joseph, Please let your servant remain as a slave to my Lord instead of the boy and let the boy go up with his brothers. For how shall I go up to my father if the boy is not with me? For I fear that I may see the evil that would overtake my father. What you have seen now is that Judah has made a complete change. Before he was willing to sell Joseph for profit. Now he's not willing to do that. I don't want my father to die, because if I go back now without Benjamin, he's going to die of a broken heart. And, and the fact that I would see that would crush me too much. Twenty-two years ago, he didn't think two wits about bringing a blood-stained soaked tunic and say, "Hey, is this, is this your son's?" Judah's heart didn't care about his father's pain 22 years ago. didn't care what his father and the anguish his father was going to experience when Joseph was no longer with him. But you see a a, a dramatic change of heart in Judah and the brothers, because now he's not willing to do that again. I don't want to see my father suffer, so I'll suffer instead. Now watch what happens to Joseph when he sees the dramatic change in uh, in Judah and his brothers. Watch what Joseph does. Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. He cried out and he says, make everyone go out for me. So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers and he wept aloud so that the Egyptians heard it and the household of Pharaoh heard it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him Because they were dismayed. They were shocked. After all this time, Joseph finally is going to take the blinders off and he's going to reveal, take the mask off, and he's going to reveal himself to his brothers. When he sees that their hearts were changed and they were willing to confess their guilt, making no excuses, Joseph revealed his identity to his brothers. That is exactly what happens when a person confesses their guilt before God and makes no excuses. The one, Jesus Christ, who has been hidden from them will take off his mask, if you will, and will begin to reveal his identity to the person who has confessed their guilt and, have, and had their hearts changed. That is exactly what happens. People who are unwilling to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord does not have the experience of Jesus unveiling who he is to them. And notice the nature of the revelation. It was private. It was private. He told everybody in the room who was not a member of his family to leave the room because the revelation was going to be a private affair between Joseph and his brothers who had their hearts changed. The revelation of Jesus Christ When he reveals himself to you, is a private matter between you and him. It's a private matter. When he reveals himself to you privately, when he reveals his identity to you, and you get an understanding of the book, the word of God, because of the spirit within you, it's a private matter. He's only going to reveal certain things to you because of your relationship with him. Just because he reveals it to you doesn't mean the whole household that you share your house with is going to get the same revelation. It's not. That will be contingent on their willingness to confess one's guilt before Almighty God. So the revelation is personal and it is very intimate. What God shares with me is personal and intimate, right? How much of himself is he going to unveil to you will be, the, will be determined by the condition of one's heart. The hardness of the heart will limit Jesus' willingness to reveal himself to you. The softer the heart, the more he will reveal. And you can see that their hearts have changed. Joseph's brother's hearts have. And so because their hearts have changed, they've acknowledged their guilt, Jesus reveals himself. has nothing to do with human intellect. This is revelation. This is Jesus making himself known to you. You could not know me unless I chose to reveal myself and my past and my experiences to you. there's no. You could make assumptions, but unless I chose to reveal myself to you, you could never know me, no matter how smart or intelligent one may be. Same thing with Jesus Christ. We cannot know him unless he chooses to reveal himself to us, and that is exactly what's happening here. So the path towards reconciliation with God will involve God personally revealing himself to the individual who genuinely confesses their guilt, and it will be and it will be done so privately, intimately. Fifthly, the path towards reconciliation with God will always include the restoration of communication between the guilty party and God. Verses four to fifteen. So Joseph said to his brothers, Come near to me, please. I would love to see their faces when Joseph unmasked himself to them. Before, he was speaking through an interpreter. He was speaking Egyptian. But now he's going to speak differently. And just to look on their faces to find out the brother whom they thought was dead is alive, I would pay to see that. So Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me, please. And they came near. And he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. In other words, When he makes that phrase, I am your brother whom you sold into Egypt, the only ones who knew that were Joseph and the brothers. The brothers never said that to anyone else. So he's trying to show you, I I know information that only your real brother would know. Okay? I'm your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now, do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on the earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. And so it was not you who sent me here, but God sent me here. He has made me a father to Pharaoh, that is a chief counselor or advisor, and Lord of all of his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. "'Hurry and go up to my father and say to him, "'Thus says your son Joseph, "'God has made Lord has made me Lord of all Egypt. "'Come down to me and do not wait. "'You shall dwell in the land of Goshen "'and your children and your children's children "'and your flocks and your herds and all that you have. "'There I will provide for you, "'for there are yet five years of famine to come "'so that you and your household and all that you have "'do not come to poverty.' And now your eyes see, and the eyes of my brother Benjamin see, that it is my mouth that speaks to you. You must tell my father of all my honor in Egypt, and of all that you have seen. Hurry and bring my father down. Then he fell upon their brother Benjamin's neck and wept, and Benjamin wept upon his neck, and he kissed all his brothers and wept upon them. After this, his brothers talked with him. After all of this, his brothers talked with him. This is the first time the brothers speak as brothers since Genesis chapter 37 when the story began. And what happened there? When Joseph received the coat from his father, the brothers saw it, and what happened? What was the response of the brothers? They hated him, and they could not speak peaceably to him. There is no communication from that point on. When we see here that the brothers talked with Joseph, you're seeing a reestablishment, a restoration of the communication between Joseph and his brothers. And that is exactly what happens when human beings are reconciled to Almighty God. You confess your guilt, he reveals himself to you, and the communication between the broken, fallen sinner and God Almighty is restored. That is exactly what happens. There is no communication between God Almighty and the person prior to confession and change of heart. We don't often hear that. God knows everything about every person Not every person on this planet is redeemed. But he knows everything about every person. But if the person is not a person who is willing to acknowledge Jesus Christ and his rightful place as Lord, as risen from the grave, then the the communication that should go on between God and the person does not happen because God is not on speaking terms with that individual. That's how God sees it. Reconciliation between God and man restores the communication link between God and the person. And now you can communicate with our Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ. You see that? That's what's happening. So, reconciliation with God will include the restoration of communication between the guilty party and God. Sixthly, Those who have been reconciled with God will experience the generosity of the heavenly father, verses 16 to 20. When the report was heard in Pharaoh's house, Joseph's brothers have come. It pleased Pharaoh and his servants. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, say to your brothers, do this. "'Load your beasts and go back to the land of Canaan. "'And take your father and your households and come to me "'and I will give you the best of the land of Egypt "'and you shall eat the fat of the land, the very best. "'And you, Joseph, are commanded to say this, "'Do this, take wagons from the land of Egypt "'for your little ones and for your wives "'and bring your father and come. "'Have no concern for your goods, "'for the best of all the land of Egypt is yours.' Here you're seeing Pharaoh, the one who was superior to Joseph in the story, is going to be extremely generous to Joseph's brothers because of the reconciliation that had happened between the brothers and and Joseph, the son. And notice what he does when Joseph says to his brothers, come to Egypt, you can stay in the land of Goshen. Pharaoh one upsup and says, I'll give you the best of all the land of Egypt. And when Joseph is speaking to his sons, he says to his sons, his, his, his brothers, he says to his brothers, bring your male descendants, your sons and your grandsons, your descendants and your, your offspring, bring them here. Pharaoh says, I want you to ta- take wagons with you and I want your little ones to come and I want your wives to come so that they don't have to walk here on foot. You're seeing the generosity of Pharaoh here. And when one is reconciled with God through the Son, Jesus Christ, then you will experience the generosity of the Heavenly Father. You get one, you get the other. He who has the Son has the Father also. The Father's generosity. Okay? Those who have been reconciled with God will experience the generosity of the heavenly Father. Seventh, those who have been reconciled with God ought to maintain peaceful relations with those who have also been reconciled with God. Verses 21 to 24. The sons of Israel did so, and Joseph gave them wagons according to the command of Pharaoh, and gave them provisions for the journey to each And all of them he gave a change of clothes. But to Benjamin he gave 300 shekels of silver and five changes of clothes. To his father he sent as follows, 10 donkeys loaded with good things of Egypt and 10 female donkeys loaded with grain, bread, and provision for his father on the journey. Then he sent his brothers away, and as they departed he said to them, Do not quarrel along the way. These brothers have all been reconciled to each other, and with Joseph. And Joseph was very well aware that on the journey by themselves that the possibility of getting them, of having them quarrel over what has happened in the past was very real. And that is true of the church. Far too often, those who have been reconciled to the Heavenly Father by faith in Jesus Christ often quarrel with one another. Maybe one of you are in a quarrel with someone who is a believer It happens. It's not to be critical of those who do, because it happens. But Jesus warns those who have been reconciled with Himself not to quarrel with others who have also been reconciled to the Heavenly Father through faith in Jesus. It doesn't look good for the testimony of the church. If the, the people out there will know that we are Jesus' disciples by our love for one another, quarreling one another is not a very good example of loving one another. And so it's, a, it's a, uh, an instruction to us that if you do have a broken relationship, a strained relationship with someone within the church, either within this particular congregation or with another believer outside of the church, we have an obligation and a responsibility to seek reconciliation. Those who have been reconciled with God ought to maintain peaceful relations with those who have been reconciled to God. And finally, the path towards reconciliation with God should always lead us to share the good news that Jesus Christ is alive. Verses 25 to 28. So they went up out of Egypt And came to the land of Canaan to their father Jacob. And they told him, Joseph is still alive. And he is ruler over all the land of Egypt. And his heart became numb. It stopped. It became weak. And his heart became numb because he did not believe them. But when they told him all the words of Joseph, which he had said to them. And when he saw the wagons, that is the evidence that Joseph had sent to carry him. The spirit of their father, Jacob, revived, and Israel said, It is enough. Enough said. Joseph, my son, is still alive, and I will go and see him before I die. Joseph's father, Jacob, knew that there was very little time to go see his son, Joseph, who was alive. And so he wanted to make haste and take advantage of the opportunity while it was still here. But the point is, as Joseph's brothers went to their father and told them the great news that Joseph was alive. It is the responsibility of you and I who have been reconciled to God through faith in Jesus Christ to tell others who don't know him that Jesus Christ is alive. Because there are many people out there who don't believe that or don't know that. That's our responsibility. The path that leads to reconciliation with God should always lead us to share the good news that Jesus Christ is alive. It is the heart of the gospel. That's why we're here. It's what makes the church go. Jesus is alive. On January 26, 2001, Siko Sakamoto, a plasterer working in a Tokyo subway station, fell into the path of an oncoming train. Lee Soo Hyun, a Korean student in Japan for language studies, leaped down on the tracks to save Sakamoto. Both Hyun and Sakamoto were unable to exit the path of the oncoming train and they were both killed. This selfless act by the Korean student on behalf of the Japanese laborer has caused many people in Japan to reconsider their long-held prejudices directed towards Koreans. Strong feelings of distrust between the two countries go back to World War II atrocities inflicted upon Koreans by the Japanese. Many Japanese people, including the Prime Minister of Japan, have openly expressed sorrow over their previously held stereotypes of Koreans and have begun to talk about reconciliation. Nabu Aki Fujioka, a 62-year-old Japanese, said, I felt a kind of shame. A young foreigner sacrificed his life for a Japanese... This is not an easy thing to do. Reconciliation rarely occurs without sacrifice. Let me repeat that again. Reconciliation rarely occurs without sacrifice. By giving his one and only son, God took the initiative in healing our broken relationship with him. And he made the supreme sacrifice for us that we might be reconciled to him. And the same sacrifice that he has made in order to bring reconciliation between him and us is something that we have to emulate as well when our relationships break. We will have to be willing to sacrifice. That may cause us pain. But reconciliation can't happen without it. Jesus is the supreme example reconciliation that's what God is all about it is illustrated for us in these two chapters and we can thank God for his grace and his mercy His always pursuing us if not for reconciliation but for a, with a deeper more meaningful relationship with him because that's what he wants our hearts would you please pray with me Father, thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you for these two chapters, Lord. It's a powerful illustration of how you bring reconciliation with human beings, with yourself. Lord, we can't do this on our own. You have, you have done this. And we are supremely grateful for your loving kindness and your mercy. Always looking for opportunities to draw us near to you. Lord, I pray that if there's someone here this morning who does not know you, who has not been reconciled to you, that you will speak to them through these two chapters, that you will work on their hearts. As you worked in the hearts of Joseph's brothers before they were aware that you were doing so, help us to be mindful that those of us who have not been reconciled to you, we know that you are at work in their hearts and in their minds drawing them, wooing them to you for the purpose of reconciliation so that the relationship can be restored. And we ask, Lord, that people within our community who don't know Jesus will experience your grace and your mercy, that you will lead them to a place of repentance, a subject that's not often talked about in our churches anymore. It is necessity for reconciliation. Give us the boldness to speak such words and help us to live lives that will demonstrate that what we say is true. You long for reconciliation because you want to have a personal relationship with every single person here, no matter what our past is, no matter what we've done or what we may be in the midst of doing. You're at work in our hearts, and we pray, Lord, that if if there is a person who does not know you here, that you will work in their hearts in in such a way that you will break them in order to build them up and bring reconciliation with yourself so they can have a relationship with you and they can accomplish for you the work that you have prepared for them. Lord, you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords and you are sovereignly at work in this world just like you were through these uh, Joseph stories. You are at work powerfully in the lives of your people. Help us to be vessels with which your glory can shine through. We ask this, Lord, in Jesus' holy name, amen. Let's continue our worship this morning by singing "God's Mo- God Moves. Would you please stand?
1: God moves in a mysterious way to perform. He plants his footsteps in Courage take The clouds that you now dread Are big with mercy and will break In blessings on your head Judge not the Lord by feeble sand trust him for his grace behind a frowning providence he hides a smiling face so God we trust in you oh view, we hope in mercies ever new, we trust in you. God's purposes will ripen fast, unfolding every hour. The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. Blind unbelief is sure to err and scan his work in vain. God is his own interpreter and he will make it plain so come When tears are great and comforts few, we hope in mercies ever new. We trust in you.
0: The reason why we're here this morning is because God moved in our hearts. He moved in your hearts and he moved in my heart and he moved so that we could be in reconciliation and in right relationship with him there's nothing more valuable nothing more treasured in all the earth in all of life is a relationship with god through the person of jesus christ and it was god almighty through his son who pursued us moving making that reconciliation a reality praise god for that mm. have that in your mind this morning all week You've been reconciled with God through the Son. Receive the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Now go in peace. Amen.